Great things are happening at your friendly neighborhood Safeway. Stop by and see all the things that make a supermarket just better. Like new low everyday prices on family favorites. Shop with your club card and pick up bananas for an incredible 48 cents a pound. And for an easy, delicious dinner, get whole roasted chicken for only $4.98. Bigger selections, friendlier smiles, lower prices. Safeway, it's just better. Hello again, everyone. I'm Joe Longinusa, welcoming you to another edition of Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, the show where industry leaders, golf professionals, and legends all come and discuss the great game we love so much. So without further ado, let's turn it over to our host to tell us who's next on the tee. Chris, take it away. Hey, thank you, Joe Lodge and Nusa. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me again this morning on Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and today I've got the privilege of having back with me PGA Master Professional Instructor and uh, player out on the PGA Tour, Allison Kurt. I'll talk with Allison about, uh, you know, what it must be like for the guys over in Scotland right now trying to deal with the incredible wins that have pushed the tournament into uh, finishing on Monday, an Open Championship being pushed back until Monday for the finishing round right now because the winds are just crazy out there, 30 to 40 mile an hour gusts. What's it like to play in those kind of conditions? What are some of the things that we need to know if we're ever faced with some gusty winds? Not that we get a lot of those gusty winds like that, at least to that level here over in the States, but if you play along the coast and out in Texas and the Plain States, I'm sure you do get some heavy winds. So what do we need to do to combat that? Plus, we'll talk with her about, you know, about her background in the game, plus get some tips that you can actually take to the course with you later this weekend and maybe, you know, shave a stroke or two off. Allison's going to be here. She'll join me in just a few moments. So going to be a great day, a great show today, folks. A great day with us here on Next on the Team. I'm so glad you're here to take the journey with me this morning. Next on the Tee is brought to you today by Seymour Putters. Let's get things rolling by hearing a word about our friends over at Seymour Putters. Golfers, has this happened to you? Great drive. Perfect second shot on the green. Only the three or even four putt, shaking your head all the way back to the cart. I have good news. Help is on the way with the Seymour Putter. The Seymour Putter Company patented RST technology sets up the putter perfectly every time using a visible gun sight on the top line. Genius. It's like locking radar onto the target, in this case, the golf hole, putting the golfer in perfect position to make a reliable and consistent stroke. The 1999 U.S. Open and 2007 Masters Champions both use, you guessed it, the Seymour Putter. So if you're ready to make more putts and take strokes off your game, log on to Seymour.com. That's S-E-E-M-O-R-E.com and put a Seymour putter in your bag today. Yeah, like Joe said, check out the rifle scope technology that helped win two majors in 35 tour events and counting, and it's going to help you make more putts too. I know it's helping me. Check them out online at Seymour, S-E-E-M-O-R-E.com, and get one in your bag. You're going to be very glad you did. I also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Allen Edmonds, the shoes of great leaders from the Oval Office to corner offices to stage and screen and promising cubicles all around the country are part of what make people successful. 
The right footwear is important on the carpets and the hardwood floors of our global economy. Get it right with Made in USA quality and value from Allen Edmonds. Allen Edmonds is an American original. Check those guys out online at allenedmonds.com. We also want to kick off today's show like we do every week by saluting the brave men and women serving in our military. We want to thank all of you for your daily sacrifices and what you do every day to keep the rest of us safe. We also want to thank our veterans for all you've done over the years and the sacrifices that all your families make as well. We truly appreciate everything our military personnel do to preserve the freedoms and the liberties that we all have. It's through your strength and your efforts that our way of life is even possible. Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz and all the wonderful folks over at the Armed Forces Radio Network. It's an honor for us to have our show be a part of your network. You can find us by going online to armedforcesradionetwork.org. And I also want to remind our veterans out there, be sure to check out globalvoiceforveterans.org. It's a great site with news and articles and a wealth of information designed specifically for veterans that I'm sure you're going to find both interesting and beneficial. Please go check it out, globalvoiceforveterans.org. We also want to thank everyone listening in across the Internet on great sites like iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio as well. Plus, if someone's dragging you to the mall or to the grocery store or you're just simply tired of the same old, same old on your commute, download the Player.fm or Stitcher app and you can take us with you everywhere you go. Let us give you something fun to focus on while you're out and about. All right, folks, now back with me on the Seymour Putters guest line is Allison Kurt. Let me remind you about Allison's background. She's from Ellisville, Missouri, which is just outside of St. Louis. She played her college golf at Florida State, where she earned degrees in psychology and professional golf management. She went on to get her master's in clinical psychology with an emphasis in marriage and family therapy from Pepperdine University. On tour, she won the 2012 Western Sectional Championship and earned an exemption into the LPGA Championship. She's competed in the LPGA's Wegmans Tour Championship in 2012 and in 2014 as well, a third major earlier this year at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. She's a PGA Master Professional Instructor, and to tell you how impressive that is, she is only one of 11 women to achieve the highest PGA credential that you can earn as an instructor. And I'm very thrilled that she is back with me again next on the tee this morning. Good morning, Allison. How have you been, my friend? Good morning, Chris. Great to talk to you again. I have been fantastic. So, Allison, we, it's been a little while since you've been on the show. We, we we got with you, I guess, in the early part of the summer last year. So, catch us up. What what you what have you been doing over the last uh, twelve or thirteen months? Well, a lot has changed in the past year. Um, I found a, a new facility that I've called home, and things have been going really great there to expand and grow my business. Um, played a little bit of golf, played in some tournaments, and uh, like you mentioned, just played in a major last month. So a lot of a lot of golf, a lot of business expansion, and uh, recently continued my education and started a doctoral program in clinical psychology. So a lot of fun and new things to keep me going and and move the uh, education forward. That's awesome. So uh, Allison, you, you're talking about you, you've built a new home. So talk about where is it? Where's home now? Wood Ranch Golf Club is located in Simi Valley, and they had a um, LPGA Women's event out in 2000, the Los Angeles Women's Open. And so it's a really, really great golf course. It's run by American uh, Golf Company, and it is uh, one of their staple 
courses in the LA area. So it's a fantastic facility. Uh, it is a member club, but I have the privilege of working with non-members as well. So I am easily accessible. And, uh, you know, with all the water restrictions going on in California, I have to say they do a really, really great job of keeping everything nice and green and very playable and very, very good conditions. Wow, that's great. So, Allison, like I mentioned in your intro, you have uh, an impressive distinction as a master professional. Talk about exactly what that means and all the work that you had to put in in order to get there. The PGA has three classifications of membership, and so there's about 30,000 PGA Class A professionals. And once you become a Class A professional, if you choose to continue furthering your education and broadening your knowledge, the next level would be to uh, get into the certified professional program. And so the difference in the in the logo is two stars above the PGA member logo, and that really includes doing some additional coursework and some additional testing. And there's six different areas that you can decide to become an expert in, whether it's instruction, general management, golf operations, merchandise, for example. Once you become a certified professional, you then now have the option after 10 years of membership in the PGA to become a master professional. And that's, again, a little bit more in-depth for uh, further education and further study. And you end up writing what's called a master professional project, which is um, in the academia world considered like a a dissertation or a doctorate dissertation. And so in that process, I did the project and had to go down to um, headquarters in West Palm Beach and present it in front of a panel of mentors and faculty, um, teach some live lessons, uh, answer some questions. So it was a pretty grueling process, almost sort of like defending your stance in golf, if you will. Um, And then they give you the big thumbs up or thumbs down, and and luckily it was a thumbs up for me. And so then then you enter in this very, very small class of about 280 professionals in instruction, uh, 11 of them being females that have gone on to attain that credential. That's fantastic. Good for you. Talk. What was the project? I'm curious. What project did you present? Well, they end up giving you a couple of subjects to work on. And so it was like 15 different subjects, everything from your philosophy to if you had a high handicapper who wanted to improve their five iron and this is their ball flight, um, talk about your programming for how to develop that player. So it's, it's very um, broad in the different subjects that they ask you to to um, cover. It, in the olden days, they used to have you pick your own topic and do more research-based and present it, um, but they have since changed the program to where they provide the topics for you to cover. Wow. So you mentioned you know, one of the things is talking about your philosophy behind behind the game. What's yours? I would call it a student-centered approach. It's very closely based to the LPGA Teaching and Club Pro um, philosophy model where each student is unique and has their own characteristics and preferences to swing the golf club. And so my role as the instructor is to help them modify that and manipulate it to where it's the best for them. So instead of having one framework or modality, let's say, you know, stack and tilt or, um, you know, a traditional approach, instead of having students fit into my um, framework or box, I try to make sure that their golf swing, more of a student-centered approach, works for them. So whatever characteristic that looks like, I want to help them enhance what they do really well, make it even better to lower their scores. So you could, quote-unquote, call it a student-centered approach. 
what do you do? You know, my my son, who's uh, uh, a few months shy of turning 15, has started to catch the, the golf bug and, and, and want to play more, and we started to get him some lessons here locally in Atlanta. But if you got sort of a, a you know a raw piece of clay, a raw student who is just learning the game, how do you, you know what what kind of approach do you take with with somebody who's who's got nothing, right? They you know you you get to teach them from you know whatever you know your philosophy, your student centered philosophy philosophy, but you get to teach them everything. How do you how do you approach somebody who is new to the game? Well, I think a lot of players that are new to the game ultimately at some point or another has seen a golf swing. So whether that's been on TV or they've um, viewed somebody, they already have an idea built in and integrated in their mind of what that swing looks like. They may just not have put it into a physical form or tried it out for themselves quite yet. So for me, I always look at the basic fundamentals, you know, grip, alignment, and posture. You have to be able to hold the club a particular way for effectiveness. You need to be able to aim to targets. And then there is mechanically a posture that works best for people in order for them to create um, rotations and shifts and coils and, and so forth. Go from, But with people already knowing what a swing looks like, um, you know, it's very rare that I've ever had someone come up to the lesson team and say, nope, I've never seen a swing, I've never watched golf, I have no idea what this is about. <laughs> they already have an idea, they've modeled it, they've mimicked it, they've um, they've viewed it in some capacity. And, th- and so I like to see what their interpretation of that is. Um, you know, we have something in our brain which is called m- mirror neurons. And so when we see something, we have the capacity and ability to be able to mirror it and mimic it. And so when they interpret it, I like to see what that looks like for them in the physical form, and then I'll modify it based on what would be more effective for ball flight. How can we improve path? How can we improve club face? And ultimately, how do we get that power by using um, our body weight and shifting and, and coiling? When when you're playing with you know with amateurs out there, you know whether it's in a pro am or you know just you know friends of yours or friends of friends and and uh you're watching us play what what are some of the things that we amateurs do you know pretty consistently that you know over the, in the course of time when you've watched you know hundreds of us play what are the things that you see us do time and time again that you wish you could tell amateurs you know what if you would just do this instead of that you could you know play better golf <laughs> Well, I think some of the couple of things that I see are not taking enough clubs. So having maybe an inflated sense of distance, how far they actually hit the golf ball versus how far they think or want to hit the golf ball. So oftentimes not taking enough clubs. Um, when I hear sometimes, you know, we'll, let's say we're playing in a pro-am group and, and we're all 150 yards away, and I maybe have a seven iron in my hand and then I've got someone who – can't break 100 and who has a pitching wedge in their hand, that's kind of the first red flag for me. Is like, <laughs> is this guy really going to be able to hit this 150 yards and make solid enough contact to do so? Um, right. and, and in some cases they can, in some cases they can't. So I think not taking enough club um, is, is one of the main things. Uh, the second thing is not really understanding how their grip and how their alignment impacts the shape of the ball. So they'll stand up, you know, let's say to a drive and it's a dog leg to the right and they're not aimed enough to the left to compensate for their, let's say, natural fade or natural um, tendency. And also how they're placing the hands on the golf club impacts an open face or a closed face. So some of the 
basic fundamentals a lot of amateurs I don't think have gotten good coaching on and ends up being um sort of a deficit in their game. So to to the you know to your first point about an inflated sense of distance when when you're out there and in, in, in the example you use 150 yards out you have a seven iron in your hand do you, do you find that you know and I'm going to say this from the male perspective the male ego gets in the way when uh, when you're playing with uh, male amateurs they go oh well she's got she's got a seven that must mean I I must hit a you know an eight or a nine that you know we 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 uh, we let the male ego get in the way of how far we think we can hit the ball especially when we're playing with someone like you? You know, it's quite possible. I think those pro-am situations can oftentimes be a little awkward for some because, you know, you're going out, you're playing with a stranger. Um, you know that that pro is more than likely going to be better than you. And it, in the case of female pro-ams where the pro is a female, you know, that can be intimidating to have um, someone hit it further and be of different gender. So I think the whole situation at times can be start off a little awkward and that's where we have to use our personalities to kind of, you know, get everyone to warm up a little bit and feel comfortable and get to know one another um, so that that ego piece isn't such a defense. And then you can work together as a team and say, hey, you know what, I've noticed that you've missed the past four greens a couple yards short. How about we pull a different club and see if we get a different result? Um, right. So, yeah, so it's a very interesting group dynamic. I bet. Allison, as I uh, as I mentioned in the in the intro to the show, I mean, you live out there in uh, in in, uh, in Southern California now. You know, um, when we look at you know the Open Championship now has been delayed. Um, we've got a lot of high winds and and whatnot going on over there that's impacting them. You know, those conditions, you know, and, and we don't get a lot. We don't get those severe winds, you know, often here over in the states. But for folks who play along the coast. I'm sure they do. I know I played down at Ocean Hammock down in Florida a couple of years ago, and the winds were gusting that day at 25 miles an hour, and the starter said to us, you know, hey, boys, you guys got lucky. It's a calm day out there. And we're like, calm? It's 25 miles an hour out here. What do you mean talking calm? So I'm sure there are day, there are days like that. And like I say, guys in the plain states, I'm sure, you know, face some high winds, you know, as well. But when we face gusty winds like that, what what are some things that we need to keep in mind in order to still play good golf? Well, instead of fighting the wind, you need to work with the wind. So the wind's not going to go away. And we first need to, I think, mentally get to a place of acceptance. Like these are the conditions that we're given. And this is why golf is a challenge is that our conditions are not always going to be perfect. So I think we needed to come to a place of um, acceptance with what the wind is, is giving us that day. Um, I just noticed in my own experience when I've had some, some tournaments where it has been 30 and 40 mile an hour winds where you can almost barely stand up. Um, the difference in mentality of fighting and being just internally comfortable with, gosh, I wish this would stop, is so much more exhausting than just saying, okay, here's my conditions for the day, let's work with it. Mm -hmm. And so to kind of expand on that, when we work with the wind, um, notice where where our wind is coming from. Is it going to be a helping wind, a hurting wind? Is it moving left or right? And if it's 40, 40 miles an hour moving left to right, hit your same shot, but let's aim – X amount of yards to the left and let's make the wind carry the golf ball. And, and it can almost turn into a fun game when you're playing with the wind and you're using it to help you and assist you. Um, it can become quite fun instead of such a hindrance. And um, although it takes away from, you know, the perfect setting, let's say the open, the perfect setting of the open, you know, no rain, bright and sunny. We don't get that too often over 
in those neck of the woods. So we have to work with the wind. Um, the second piece is to know about your ball flight, whether you hit it high or whether you hit it low, and I think having the skill set to be able to manipulate that. Um, now, I'm not saying for an amateur or high handicap golfer to be able to draw the ball in a fade wind, but I'm saying if you hit it really, really high naturally and the wind is in your face, then pick something that is less lofted so that you can keep it low into the wind. And that might be, for example, if you hit a 7-iron 150 yards and the wind is in your face, maybe you're pulling out a hybrid and you're punching it low into the wind so that the ball is not being um, stopped or deflated by the wind. So be creative when playing in windy conditions and, and be um, thinking about how can the wind help me here as far as moving the ball left and right and then manipulating your alignment and then being aware of your trajectory. If you hit it high, um, how can we make shots go low by changing our club selection so that the ball can still drive forward into the wind and not be stopped? So, and to that point, Allison. So, if if the wind is blowing very hard and it's a left to you know a left to right wind, and, and you're a right-handed player, should we be trying to ride the wind and help and have the wind help us, or you know, for for those folks who like to shape their shots a little bit or have the ability to shape their shots a little bit, are we trying to fight against the wind so that you know that maybe it holds it a little bit straighter? That's going to be an individual choice that the golfer needs to make based on their skill set. So um, to be honest, if I'm playing in a tournament and I've got a win that's going left to right, I'm probably not looking to draw a ball into the win. I just think for me um, at, and, and where I'm at, that's not going to be my game plan. But I am going to change my alignment and let the ball ride into the wind. Or I'm going to hit it lower to where it's not going to have as in, as much of an impact from the wind. Right. So as you talk about acceptance, and this sort of gets more to, to the mental side of the game, talk about the work that you do with helping players, you know, come come to that acceptance piece or, or deal with pressure and anxiety so that they can play better golf. We're faced in, in different sorts of competitions all the time with this um, mixture of feelings, whether it's anxiety um, in a negative or a positive way, or you know, sadness and frustration over over failures, um, and and learning to accept what has been given to us each day. And so, part of my work in counseling therapy and clinical psychology has been able to um, put a way to verbalize and coach players to get to that place. And I think really a lot of it comes down to um, being able to practice these things. So to expect someone to go into a high um, anxious situation, like let's say a club championship for a player over the weekend and say, okay, now learn how to be accepting and now learn how to take a uh, role with the punches today, I think is a little unrealistic. So to work with players leading up to maybe big events and putting them in a way maybe to de be de desensitized um, for these situations, learning how to accept uh, things that happen in everyday life will make it easier to accept things that happen on the golf course and practicing that in day-to-day -day living so that it's not something new or gimmicky when they're playing in a tournament. Um, mm. So there are some specific, you know, coping strategies and psychoeducational pieces that players can learn in order to deal with, like, let's say, anxiety or frustration or failure 
um, to just name a few. So there are some specific things that I work with players, but a lot of times I really just try to get them to open up their mind to say, hey, this isn't just on the golf course. This is in your everyday living as well. Right. Allison, when uh, when we look at a player like Tiger Woods now, who, who many people are saying is striking the ball beautifully on the range, he's just not able to transfer it to the golf course, which is something, you know, many of us do. Boy, we got out there on the driver, and boy, we hit the ball great. And then when it starts to count, things seem to fall apart on us a little bit. What what are some things, you know, from a psychological perspective, you know, that you would you would say to help us, you know, take it take it from the range and be able to take it out onto the golf course with us? I think there needs to be a conversation first about what's going on internally for that golfer when they're on the range. So what are some of their beliefs? What are some of their um, scripture kind of going in their mind? What is their emotional and mental state when they're on the range? And then how is that different or similar to when they're on the golf course? So for example, with some players that I work with, they get onto the range and they pull over a ball, another ball so quickly the other ball that they've just hit hasn't even landed. So there's really no time to even assess what went right, what went wrong. They're just kind of automatically in this swing um, swing state, and they're super calm and super relaxed. Well, now they get onto the golf course, and in a four-and-a-half-hour round, they're really only playing golf about 37 minutes, and the rest of it's downtime. So <laughs> there's there's quite a bit of difference between – what's going on on the range and what's going on on the golf course. There's so much downtime. They don't know how to control their thoughts or um, thinking some things that are not helpful. And so I think we need to first have a, a discussion about what's happening in their, in their state of mind on the range. And then what does that look like on the golf course? And what can we do to find a more effective state, which for most people is just going to be a pretty calm and neutral or slightly elevated state. Um, of awareness and focus and and how are they able to put themselves in that place Um, and and one way to do that is by looking at times in their um, past history when they have been focused when they have been calmed and to look at what characteristics they use during that time so that we can identify their strengths and now learn how to pull those out when it's time to get onto the golf course Mm-hmm. And and in response to Tiger, I mean, let's be clear, he can bring his range game to the golf course. He just currently isn't. And so I think we need to to change our, our language when we talk about um, Tiger, whether people like him or whether they don't like him personally, is that he is fully capable of doing that. He just currently isn't right now. Right. So, Allison, just a couple more be- before we let you go. What's what is, you know, one swing thought or swing tip, whether it's on the full swing or, or on the putting green that you can give us that can help us go out there and uh, improve our game by a stroke or two this weekend? Well, I think contact is super important for most amateur golfers because that's really going to um, impact not only the ball flight, what the shape of that looks like, but then also distance. And so when I'm looking at what is the one tip that can I generalize for people to improve their contact, it's really going to be staying in posture throughout the duration of the golf swing. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times people have a very, very nice uh, rotation. They're doing all of these very complex moves in the golf swing very nicely, and they come out of posture. And one way they come out of posture is by having flat shoulders. Or if you look at the angle of the shoulders at the top of the swing, uh, they're more parallel to the ground. So what I would recommend to golfers this weekend is go ahead and place a club across your shoulders, 
get into your golf posture, and I want you to rotate and feel like that club across your shoulders is pointing at the ground. Learn how to turn at an angle and stay in your posture, and you'll improve contact in no time. There you go. Allison, I uh, I saw a recent post that uh, that you made regarding Shark Week, which I just had, I'm just curious about. It's your favorite week of the year <laughs> on the Discovery Channel, which which seems a little odd for me, someone that uh, lives so near the ocean. Tell me about that. Why is Shark Week your favorite week of the year? Shark Week is almost better than Christmas. Oh my gosh, it's so great. You know what? I've always just had this love-hate relationship with sharks. You know, being in Missouri, didn't have a chance to go to um, the beach all that much. And I think really the first time I got to be around um, on a continuous basis, palm trees and beaches is when I was 18 and left to go to Florida State to play college golf. Um, So there's always sort of this curiosity and enigma about uh, sharks. And I'm sure it started from the movie Jaws back when I was a little kid. And then when Discovery Channel just got into um, having Shark Week, I was always just so fascinated. I mean, I will be glued to the TV um, that entire week. And so my my entire um, family kind of knows about it as well. And so we always get really excited about um, Shark Week. And, and funny enough, last year at the Wegmans uh, Championship when we were in Rochester, New York, it ran over the week of Shark Week. So um, everyone who traveled with me knew that as soon as I, my round was over, we had to head back to the hotel to turn on Discovery Channel <laughs> and watch all the shows. <laughs> That's great. Good for you. I, I got to tell you, I'm not, I'm not an ocean guy. I mean, I like looking at it. I'll, I'll walk on the beach. But, but the moment you step into the ocean, you become part of the food chain. So, you know, <laughs> I am – I am not a part of that, you know, that I kind of look at it, you know what, that's their world, this is my world, I don't go into theirs, they don't come into mine, we have we have an understanding that way, and you know, and, and for people, you know, and shark, I mean, I'm sure you've seen, shark attacks are up, you know, this year, we got a whole bunch off the coast of North Carolina, they're down the coast of Florida, you know, but, you know, like I say, that's that's sort of their world, and you become part of the food chain, if the shark eats you, I, I, my, my opinion, the way I look at it, that's sort of on you, right, you entered their world, <laughs> They eat you? Absolutely. That's on you. Allison, you have a safer. (laughs) Right, there you go. Allison, you have a fantastic website. Tell our remind our listeners about what they can find on your website plus on your YouTube channel as well. Allison Kurt Golf is my website. Um, You can do online booking, find a little bit about my uh, background and history. I also have some links to some uh, newspaper articles, a magazine article, instructional tips that I've had published, as well as a couple of videos um, that the Southern California Golf Association has produced. Um, There are some links to my social media and YouTube channel, as well as email. If you have any questions or need any help with your golf game, um, you can feel free to reach out. I also have a logo on there for the Golf Channel Swing Fix. So if you're not in the California area and don't have um, capacity to come out and visit me, you can send me an online video and we can work on your golf game that way. So you can click on that link, upload your video, and we can do some some lesson work um, from a distance. So com. That's fantastic. I love that online video piece. That's great stuff. Good for you. Good for uh, all the uh, all the kids and uh, folks around the country that don't have an opportunity maybe to get out to L.A. but still want to work with you. That's a great idea. Allison, you also mentioned social media. Remind our listeners how they can follow you over social media. I have a business Facebook page, Allison Kurt Golf, as well as on Twitter. And so occasionally I'll post some interesting articles or some 
programs that I'm running at, at Wood Ranch. And so uh, follow me on Twitter and Facebook to learn about current and new updates or um, anytime uh, that I'm talking with Chris on the radio and kind of spreading the word. So Facebook and Twitter, Allison Kirk Golf. That's fantastic. Allison, thank you so much for coming back on the show with me again today. It's always such a pleasure to get the opportunity to talk with you. You're a, you're a wonderful person and a, and a great instructor, and I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your morning to be a part of the show again. You're welcome, Chris. Thanks so much. I always enjoy our chats. All right, great. Thank you, Allison. Look forward to catching up with you uh, hopefully again real soon. In the meantime, all the best uh, to you and to your family as well. Appreciate it. You as well. All right. Thanks, Allison. Bye-bye. That's Allison Kurt, and let me make sure I get the you get the spelling of her last name correct. It's C U R D T. So the spelling of her last name C U R D T. Allison Kurt. AllisonKurtGolf.com online. What a wonderful guest Allison is, and and, and she's a ten times better person than she is an instructor. And we all, as you just learned, she's a master PGA. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me, master PGA instructor, and uh, she's starting to do work on her doctorate. So pretty soon we'll be calling her Doctor Kurt. So. Congratulations to Allison, and thanks to her again for being a part of the show. All right, folks, it's time for me to put a bow on uh, on this episode. Before we close up shop, though, I want to thank our good friend Dave Stockton Jr. Uh, for being such a, a a good partner with us on the show, and uh, all the folks over at Stockton Golf. They've got a a book that you've heard me talk about uh, for the last several months here called Own Your Own Game. Remember, as Allison just told you, and you've heard so many of our guests tell you, so much of the game is the mental side, and it's played in that kind of five-inch space between our ears, as Bobby Jones used to say. Get your mind right. And this uh, latest book from the Stocktons, they let you know how to play winning golf through mental preparation. Own Your Own Game recreates the experience of riding 18 holes with Dave Stockton at one of his highly sought-after corporate outings, and it draws from his experience as a, as a uh, tour player, a Champions Tour player, and now a revered coach. He teaches you how to think better, stay calmer, execute more consistently, and most importantly, how to enjoy the game more thoroughly. If you go to StocktonGolf.com, uh, you can order your book, and like we say all the time, if for an extra couple of dollars, Mr. Stockton will even autograph it for you. All right, folks, my sincere thanks one more time to Allison Kurt for joining me today and making today's show so much fun to be a part of. We thank you for choosing to listen to this show today. We appreciate you guys the very most. Please also check out our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host Bob Lazari, our announcer Joe Lajanusa. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can hear us on Blog Talk Radio, the Armed Forces Radio Network as well. Plus, on Friday nights, uh, they stream the show for us over on the Boost Radio Network. So if you go to BoostRadioNetwork.com from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, you'll be able to hear the show streaming live. Um, that show, like this one, is also available on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, TuneIn, Stitcher, Player.fm, SoundCloud as well. Uh, on, the, on the football side, we're joined every single week by legends from around the NFL and the CFL. So please, check us out online. You can find uh, that show at ThursdayNightTailgate.com. This show, next on the T.net. And give us a like on Facebook. Uh, those are important to us, too. And you can stream or download any of our episodes, you know, archive episodes, current episodes for free from either site. Again, ThursdayNightTailgate.com, next on the T.net. And like I say, thank you so much for choosing to be a part of the show today. We really appreciate it. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.
Adding the choice of a crispy chicken BLT to Wendy's 4 for 4 is the biggest thing since rappers trying to sing. I got me out and I sound like a robot. But do you like the sound of this? Wendy's 4 for 4 now comes with a choice of a junior bacon cheeseburger or a crispy chicken BLT. From Detroit to Macon, I keep it crisp like bacon. Both are topped with crispy applewood smoked bacon and come with four nuggets, fries, and a Coke for just four bucks. Oh, yeah. At participating Wendy's for a limited time, meal includes small fries and a drink. Not valid in Alaska and Hawaii.